really to, to find out what do the movies say about how life works or what does movies say about us as humans and what really are the themes of these different movies. And this morning we're talking about the amazing Spider-Man and this movie's different from the other Spider-Mans because they put the word amazing in front. And he's been cool, but now he is amazing. And uh, depending if you've seen it or not, or if you're a fan of the, the comic book series or comic books in general, a uh, big theme of this movie is really dealing with identity, uh, who he is. And Peter Parker is wrestling with his past and what has made him the person that he is. And the movie kind of deals with loss. And this movie goes in a different direction than the others. It kind of deals with why, why did his family leave him? Uh, he's an orphan. And it kind of brings up that idea of this, this kid that was abandoned. And he is now wrestling with that. And in the movie, you kind of see this theme again and again of this idea of loss and identity. And this morning, we're going to be kind of talking about that, but also as it relates to uh, destiny. And you see that a lot of times our circumstances and our experiences they cause us to be who we are, uh, for better or worse. Uh, the families that we came from had an impact. The things that we've done, our experiences, our past, our circumstances, those have all kind of led us to a certain point where we are in life. And in the movie, they deal with that. And Peter Parker's wrestling with, uh, is he what he wants to be? And why has things happened to him that have happened? And the nemesis in the story is dealing with the same idea. And uh, there's a lot to learn from this this idea of, who are we? What are we made to become? And how does the thing that have happened to us shape us? And what are we to do with those, especially if, if they're negative, especially if they uh, were a sense of loss uh, in our life? So I want to show the trailer to give you kind of a sense of how some of these themes come out. You're going to stay with your aunt and uncle for a little while. You'll be safe here. Where are you going? Something your mom and I have to do. I want to go with you. Yeah, you have to go. So, tell us a little bit about yourself, Mr. Parker. Not much to tell, really. Peter lives with his aunt and uncle. Forgot all about that thing. It was your dad's. What are you doing here? I'm nothing. Do not get me in trouble. Don't touch anything.
We all have secrets. The ones we keep. And the ones that are kept from us. How many of you are like, can they just keep playing that? Every week we've shown this trailer and I'm up here and I'm thinking, I have to follow that. Did you see our special effects? Lights came up. See? We're, we're getting there. <laughs> no, but you, you watch movies for the experience a lot of times. And this, this way that they shoot it and the, the characters and all these things really uh, suck you in. And this movie's the same way. I mean, as you watch that, you're, you're captivated. And good movies don't just captivate your senses, but they also captivate kind of how we're wired and the way that we think about things. And so this idea in this movie on, on identity and our destiny, uh, we all think about that. There's a, a line in that movie, do you really know what you really are? And we ask that within ourselves. Uh, who am I? Am I where I'm supposed to be? Uh, why have things happened to me? And where I am in life, is this where I'm supposed to be? And these, these questions related to purpose and meaning all this is wrapped up in us. We, we want to know. We, we do want to make a difference. Uh, we do want to make an impact. And so what I want to do is just kind of walk through what's the normal uh, path that we, each of us take to kind of figure out if we are who we're supposed to be or if we're doing what's supposed to be done or if we're valued or have value in of ourselves. So I kind of want to walk you through that and then compare that. And Ben's going to talk more about that. Compare that to what does God say. So let me just walk you through kind of the normal path of defining our identity or figuring out if we're, we're on the right track. Uh, the first thing uh, that we do as we define our own identity is we, we ask ourselves, uh, what, what, is, what is valued? And then we compare ourselves, and then we become driven or defeated. Uh, 1 Samuel 16, 7. I just want to give you a backdrop before I read it. Uh, there's King Saul who's reigned, uh, the leader of the, the Israelites, the king, and he really turned against God, his heart became hard and didn't want to do what God told him to do anymore. And so uh, God rejected him and was appointing David to become the next king of Israel. And Samuel is this man that's torn because he knows the authority that King Saul has had. He knows the experience that King Saul has had. And there's this leader that's not really as proven that's going to take his place. And he's wrestling with, on this hand, there seems like there's much success, but on this hand, this leader is unproven, is a risk. And this is what God tells Samuel. He says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. He's talking about King Saul. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Isn't that so true? We look at the outward appearance, right? I mean, have you ever looked in a mirror? Why do mirrors exist? To look at ourselves. You guys are like, that, is that a trick question? I... But think about it. The only reason mirrors exist is because we want to see what we look like. And some mornings, it's better than others. But there's this thing of, you know, we want to see, okay, do I look presentable? Can I leave for work? Am I all done up the way I'm supposed to be done up? And we add value to that. And this passage is basically saying that that, that's a main category of our thinking of whether somebody is important or whether we're important or what has value is based on what we can see 
based on what the appearance is, uh, not just physically, but the appearance of what people have or don't have, the success, the stuff. And there's three main categories where we find out what's valued. P- position. Uh, what, what's someone's position? Do they, do they have uh, a lot going for themselves? Do they have authority? Uh, the more authority, usually, we, we think, the more value. The less authority or the lower the position, we think, usually, less value. Uh, possessions. What do they own? What do they have? Whether it be the car that they drive or the house where they live or even the family that they have. What do these people have in their life that seems valuable? And what we tend to do is we find out what's valued related to positions, possessions, and then performance. Is the person successful? Have they done well for themselves? And we have this kind of definition of what that looks like. And a lot of times it's driven by the media and the culture. What is the picture of success? What is the picture of having enough stuff? What kind of stuff should you have? And each of us have different things that we determine is valuable. And this is the kind of the normal path. In fact, this finding out what is valued in in at least the next point of comparison, this is the normal path to self-esteem, like figuring out if we're worthwhile. What's valued? How do we compare to what's valued? Comparison. We do that at a young age. We look at others and think, okay, can I, am I doing as well a school as they are? Do I have as nice clothes as they do? Uh, is their family situation better than mine? I did that growing up. I, I'm from a broken family, uh, divorce, and a lot of just pain that comes with that. And comparisons in there like, well, if they're divorced, their family's divorced, are we like on an even playing field? Or if their family's not divorced, are they better than me? And all the questions and issues that come with that. This comparison is wired into us. It's part of, of really sin and the struggle that we all deal with. And in the movie, Peter Parker is really dealing with his life compared to those around him. And taking kind of this, this balance of the loss that he's experienced and is he ever going to be good enough? Is he ever going to be what he's supposed to be? This is a sidebar, but I think if you shoot webs out of your hand, why compare? I mean, you think about that. And this guy like can shoot webs, jump through buildings, and he does these awesome things, and, but he's comparing, and he's battling this identity, and, and that's the greatest picture of it. As you compare and you look to what others have based on what's valued, you actually don't see what you have. That's a true truth about life. As you look at others, you don't see what you have, where you are, the blessings that you've been given. Because you're looking out there. And we all deal with that. And we have to wrestle with that and come to grips with, okay, do I become driven or defeated? That's the response. If you compare and Based on who you're basing your comparison on, if you seem like you've arrived better than the people you're comparing yourself to, now you have to keep up with the Joneses. Now you have to be driven to maintain whatever successful lifestyle or picture that life's supposed to be. You've got to keep it. Or maybe you're not there, but you're close, and you've got to think, well, if I get this, and I get that job, or I get that house, that will put me in that position to being really valued. And we look for it in stuff, in relationships. There's a void that we have, and we try to fill it with different things. The defeated is, I'm never going to be good enough because of what's happened. No point trying. 
Talked about that last week, the discouragement. There's no point trying because I'm not going to measure up. Because of things I've done or things that have happened to me, it's blown. It's a blown cause. And we, we get frustrated. But this, this idea of the looking at what's valued, comparing, and then being driven or defeated is, is like having a puzzle. And my wife and I, we, didn't, uh, we were on vacation recently. We decided, let's get a puzzle. And I realized like early on in the process, I don't really like puzzles. It's supposed to be like a relaxing thing. And I thought, you know, we'll watch kind of a movie while we do a puzzle. But I realized I just got to the point where I was like, there's a lot of pieces. And the sky is blue. And I know the edge of the sky, but I have no idea the middle. And it it gets frustrating. But what, you know, you keep coming back to is you you have this picture. And the picture on the box. you got to base the puzzle on the picture. And as my wife did most of the legwork... I started getting into it when there was like six pieces left. Like, I, I, I think I could do that as long as they're edges. But when you compare and when you look on the, to the media and the culture of what's important, it's like the picture on the box keeps changing. Could you imagine how frustrating that would be on a puzzle? You have this cottage sitting on the beach, and then 30 seconds later, it's a forest with snow. I'm just making this up. I've never seen puzzles like this, but... Now you're realizing, okay, where's the beach on this puzzle? Because now I'm seeing snow and it's, it's frustrating. And that's it's the same thing. We have this idea of what is valued, what's important, and we build our life on this picture. But what we don't know is that because it's based on the culture, because it's based on the media, because it's based on circumstances, it changes. And right when we think we've arrived, the measure of success is no longer what it was. And now we're behind. And this is the cycle of identity that determines our destiny that that we get caught in. And it's so easy for all of us to do. We become driven, defeated, and and ultimately we become frustrated. And what you realize is as subtle as these things are, as you focus on them, over the course of your life, it defines you. Over the course of your life, if you are looking at others to determine the value that you have, or if you're looking at what you've done to determine the value that you have, that becomes your life. That becomes your focus. Recently, I was teaching my daughter to ride her bike. And it's stressful for her. But it's really stressful for me. And I'm having pictures of her, like, driving a car. And already I'm like, how's this going to work? Because what, what I'm doing is I'm holding, like, the back of the, the seat, and I'm pushing her along. And there's this part where she leans, but she's... As she's leaning, she just, where she leans, there she goes. And there's no correction. It's like, she starts to lean, she's just going to lean through it. And there's that part as a dad, as I'm holding on, and I think, well, i got to let go so she can know what it feels like. But if I let go, she's a leaner. She's going to crash. And what was happening yesterday as I'm giving these lessons, she's frustrated. Like, I'm leaning, I don't know what to do. And I'm thinking, just feel it. And it makes no sense to her. Well, like as it leans this way, lean that way. And she's thinking, well, if I'm leaning that way, then I go that way. I'm going to go that way. And we took breaks, water breaks. We're done today, honey. Let's do it again tomorrow, which is today. So pray for us. But, um, it's, it's that idea of it just, it's frustrating. You, you have this course and you're, 
you're kind of getting off path and you don't know what to do and you just you, you crash. And that's the same picture. And it leads to frustration. And it leads to just this void that can't be filled. We don't have the right piece to the puzzle. This morning, what we want to talk about is the fact that God knows the void that we have, knows the space that we have for something more, and he has given it to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Our destiny and ultimately our identity, if it's in him, we have all that we need to have purpose in life and to have meaning. That's the truth. That, that is the good news. When we talk about the good news of the Bible, it's the fact that Though there is a void within us through Christ, we have a new identity. We have a new hope as we look to him. I want to read this passage that's been really helpful to me in my own personal life. In fact, I read it this week, and as I was reading it, preparing for this message, it was like it breathed new hope into me. And the Bible has a way of doing that. It shows you the way things really are. And that is the difference that God makes and the fact that identity is wrapped up in Christ and what God has done says this in Ephesians 2, but because of his great love for us, God's love, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions, even when we were dead in our sin. It is by grace you have been saved. Unmerited favor. There's nothing that you've done, nothing that's happened to you, nothing that you will do that can earn God's favor, that can fill the void within yourself. It's all unmerited. It's by his grace that we've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So the picture is God through his grace has saved us from ourselves and the need to try to improve, impress Anything that we do to try to earn this idea of being good enough. That picture of he's raised us with Christ, that's the picture of the new identity. We're here, and this is all we see, and we compare, and we look at the possessions, the position, and the performance of others to see if, if we measure up. And this verse is saying, when you turn your life to God, he lifts you up out of this experience, and he shows you that your identity is not on what you've done, how much you've earned, the success that you have, your identity is actually in the person of Jesus Christ who does not change. The picture stays the same. It is by him that we've been saved. He's the only one that can save us. And that's been true since man and woman were created. In him is our hope. Second Corinthians 5.17 Years and years ago when I spoke my first message I did it on this verse. And my message was kind of like, here's the verse. Thank you, God. Let's pray. Because it just has truth in itself. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this is 2 Corinthians 5.17, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. The new is, is new life. We're dead in our sin. We're ineffective. We're unproductive, but in him we have life, new life, new opportunity, new identity. We are a new creation. That is the hope that we have. 
Ben's going to kind of unfold this, share a little bit about his story, and then kind of get us further down the road on how to discover our identity and, and what God wants for us as he's writing the story for our life. Thank you, Alex. Hello, everybody. I don't know about you, but I can really identify with being driven, uh, becoming driven, and, and also being defeated. And uh, I'll tell you just a little bit about that, and then we'll look at some of what Alex has been talking about. We'll continue talking about how our destiny flows out of our identity and what an amazing destiny God offers us. Um, I, I've liked acting for a long time, since about sixth grade. And when I was in high school, my buddies and I, they weren't all interested in acting, but I'll come back to that. They, we thought we were big stuff big man on campus, whatever, we were going to make a real mark on the world, go to college, and then people would know about us and make a real difference. Um, it was a little bit like, speaking of movies, in It's a Wonderful Life when George Bailey is talking to Mary as they've been throwing rocks and making wishes, and he says, Mary, I know what I'm going to do today and tomorrow and the next year and the year after that. I'm going to shake the dust of this crummy little town off my feet and I'm going to see the world. Italy, Greece, Parthenon, the Colosseum. Then I'm going to go to college and see what they know. Then I'm going to build things. Any excuse for a George Bailey, Jimmy Stewart impersonation. <laughs> um, but I, I loved acting, and when I got to college, I didn't think I'd be doing anything with that. But I got in, and, and I realized through no merit of my own, just by blind luck, as I would have called it at the time, I was at a school with a great program, and I could just kind of walk in. Didn't have to audition, didn't have to apply for that program. Now I was in the university, I'd just go in. And so I started to think, maybe to become a big Hollywood actor and enjoy all of that that I thought that included, maybe that is my destiny. The problem is, I did not factor God into any of that. I wasn't sure if he was real. I definitely didn't think he was relevant. And I didn't think it through. If there's no God, everything is random chance, Right? everything is random chance, then nothing has any meaning. Nothing I do is big. No matter how much my friends and I wanted to do big, big things, it was not going to happen if God wasn't real. And I didn't factor him in. And so, exactly like Alex was just describing, I began to compare and become driven at that time. Um, we were in acting class, and at that time, a very big name for us was David Schwimmer. Friends was getting to become big, and he had the same acting teacher that we had. And so we'd hear stories about it. And so we'd sit there and we'd think, wow, one of us could be the next David Schwimmer. Big star. It, you know, he, he's not on TV as much anymore, but at that time. <laughs> and this was a big deal. And we would, I mean, I would compare. I would, I would look at my classmates and I'd think, who will it be? The odds are against us. We're not all going to make it, but... That one, no. <laughs> that one, no. But that one, he is really talented. What if, what if he makes it instead of me? What if he's more talented? Or what if something happens there? And he is the one who gets the things I want. And so to compare and become driven, I have to do this myself. When I do big things and get everything I want, I have to make it happen. Let me pull it up from inside somehow and press on, press on, press on, press on, and make it happen. This was a big burden. The things that should have been fun, like acting, became very competitive. 
And it took me away from relationships that would have been a real blessing to me as well. There's also chances to be defeated in that. You know, I, I would think maybe someday they'll make a Spider-Man movie or a series of movies. And okay, fine, you know, Tobey Maguire, maybe he will be the first Spider-Man. But the second Spider-Man, when they reboot the franchise, maybe that could be me. This has been a very disappointing summer for me. <laughs> Andrew Garfield's. It's over and over again. There's, there's a death of a dream there, and I, and I wrestle with that from time to time and have to come back to what God showed me um, and what he offers each of us. Around the middle of college, I've realized he is real, and he is completely relevant to my life. I want to follow Jesus and let him call the shots, let him be the boss. And whatever success I have, God showed me, with acting or anything else, is going to come from his hand as a gift to me. Not because I've pulled it up from inside or because I've elbowed everybody out of the way and made it happen by myself. And of course, I still need to work hard, persevere, think about what I'm doing, but it comes from God. And when that clicked for me, that was a huge change. It really took the pressure off during school, and what a relief. And it's been very helpful since then. You know, I kind of wrestle with it still, as I mentioned, but. Again and again, I can go back to, if it's not acting, if it's something else God has for me, that means it's the very best thing. It's what he has for me. Um, and it's a promise he makes to all of us. And there's deep peace in knowing that you and I are made for a purpose. Let's take a look at this verse. Psalm 139, 13 to 18. For you created my inmost being. This is David talk, talking to God. God, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I, I think about that, I think. So even me, even me, messed up me, is a wonderful work of God. That's incredibly comforting. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. you take a moment to imagine this. The God of the universe who created and sustains everything, everyone, handcrafted you. You are a work of divine genius. I don't always feel that way. I don't always feel like there's a divine imprint on me when I mess things up or when I have to deal with a world that's all broken and messed up. And we'll talk more about how God wants to restore that and how that's the best news and part of the, the best story ever. In the movie, Peter Parker goes looking for answers, as Alex was talking about. Who am I? What happened to me? Why did it happen to me? He doesn't get all the answers that he's looking for. We need some sequels, right? There will be sequels, I'm pretty sure. And they won't be calling me Andrew Garfield. <laughs> for us, the fundamental questions are answered. We don't have to wonder about our purpose. 
God loves us. He knit us together, each one of us, with perfect skill and wisdom. And he calls us to a destiny far greater than what we could come up with on our own. To discover your destiny, look at yourself the way God does. Here's a verse I would like to send back in time to high school and college Ben. I don't want to disrupt the space time continuum. So that's a, if anybody knows about that being a problem, please let me know. But I want to send it back. He needs to learn it. Learn it sooner and better. Romans 12:3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. God knows we can't make real progress without him. Do we know it? I need to be reminded again and again. So in this verse and in life, there's a tension to manage. We don't want to get puffed up. If we choose pride and try to set God aside, the Bible says he lines up against us. He opposes the proud. I don't want that. At the same time, we don't need to despair. God knows we need his help. Psalm 103, 13 and 14 says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. All the parents here can relate to the compassion we have for our kids, right? My son is three and a half. And the other day for the 4th of July, we were doing sparklers with some other kids, and it was great. You know, they're holding sparklers. Wow, it's beautiful. And the one he's holding burns down, and as I'm standing a little ways away, I can see that there's still a glow at the top of the sparkler. I'm pretty sure he could see it from the way he was holding it. We don't know for sure. In any case, he reached out and touched it and started to scream. And he had a little burn on his finger and on his thumb. So we rushed him inside, get the water going, get the cold water, get the ice comfort him, make things right for him. But at the same time, honestly, I was thinking, why did he do that? (laughs) Why did he do that to himself? This is a three and a half year old boy, but God is thinking the same thing about me. Montgomery, why did he do that to himself? But now he's asking for my help and I will give it to him because of my compassion for him and my compassion for everyone else. God looks at us with love. That's the way he looks at us. That's the way we need to look at ourselves. He looks at us with love and wants to restore us. The story that God tells, as you see it laid out in the scriptures, is he made us to be in a relationship with him, and he gave us the freedom to choose whether to love him or not. Because if you force someone to love you, it's not love. With that freedom, we rejected him. said, no, thank you, God. I will go my way. And so the world is a mess, like, we, like we've been talking about. I'm a mess inside, everybody is, and outside is a mess too. And we wrestle with that. But God's story continues. He did not hit the delete button on us, which is his prerogative because he made us. He made everything. Instead, he showed his incredible love for us by sending his son Jesus to pay the price for our sin. Jesus knows what it's like to struggle and to suffer. He sympathizes with our weaknesses and he has compassion on us. And thanks to his self-sacrifice, we can return to God. We can stop going our way. We can make a 180 and go God's way. 
we can say to Jesus, yes, be the boss. You tell me what to do. I'll do my best to follow. I trust you. The end of the story is that God makes everything right. No more sorrow, no more tears. And in the meantime, God gives us everything we need to do what he has for us to do. So we don't have to take our cues from others. We don't have to compare, as Alex mentioned earlier. When we come to Jesus, he welcomes us and gives us an identity that is rooted in him. If we belong to Jesus, we are children of God. We are heirs. We are actually, even the Bible says, a royal priesthood, sons and daughters of the king who can go straight to the king. That's, that's incredible. You're a prince or princess when you come to Jesus. Remember Psalm 139? We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Because of the unique wiring that God has given each of us and because of his grace poured out on all of life, we each have a role to play in God's story. The big, big, the epic search and rescue mission that he's about, we get to be a part of that. And there's tremendous joy when we cooperate with God and when we see how he weaves us into his story, into his plans. You can get in on God's story as you co-labor with the one who made you. 1 Corinthians 3.9 says, For we are fellow workmen, joint promoters, laborers together with and for God. You are God's garden and vineyard and field under cultivation. You are God's building. We can do things that count forever. We get to help with what God is building. At the same time, he is building us up. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. God put you right where you are for his purposes. He has good works for you to do that you and no one else were created to accomplish. That's a tremendous destiny. There's a call on each of our lives. Jesus says, come, follow me. Take my hand and I'll rescue you. As you walk with me, you'll be refreshed. And as you join me, as I rescue others, you will live like never before. Alex is going to come back up and talk us through some next steps that we might take. Thanks, Ben. Uh, Every week we make a point to encourage uh, next steps. And we're all at different places uh, in our relationship to God. Uh, You may be investigating what it means to follow him. You may have been a follower of Christ for a long time. But no matter where you are, uh, we all are really responsible to take a step of growth as we are trying to figure things out and as we try to evaluate where we are and where we need to be. And so we have these really to encourage that, to give you some suggestions. So I'm going to walk through these, but if there's something else that seems like you need to focus on or think through or get help on, um, let us know that on the connection card as well, and we we would love to assist you any way that we can. Uh, On the connection card that you guys uh, begun to fill out that Jeep had you pull out. Why don't you guys get that, turn that over, and there's some next steps I want to walk you through. Uh, the first thing is, is maybe just listening uh, to the truth. You, you want to memorize a, a scripture. The one we suggested was 2 Corinthians 5.17. Uh, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Uh, this is a, a truth that reminds you of who you are once you commit your life to follow Christ as the boss. And there's many times when you need to use that truth to remind yourself of that. The fact that you 
are a new creation. And so if you haven't gotten that to memory yet, uh, do that this next week. Uh, Second, uh, identify a main area uh, where you compare and ask for God uh, to help you as as you battle. Is is there a certain uh, kind of area in relationships where you, you find you compare yourself to others or at work or identify what what's the arena what's the circumstances and uh, ask god for help as you as you battle that or as you know you're going to enter into those situations Uh, third for the first time uh, if you've not committed your your life to christ maybe you'd make that decision today Uh, as ben described it it's that that 180 going god's way Uh, if you've never done that that's where uh, really the help and attaching yourself to god's destiny and his purpose for you begins and if you're not sure what that looks like for your own life, if you mark that on there, we'll walk you through that and uh, answer questions that you have and provide you some resources too. Uh, the next one is to sign up for the, the Wisdom One Day Seminar, which uh, Jeet mentioned as well. That's coming up this next week. Uh, I don't really know of a better opportunity that kind of helps you with the sorting process of life. As I've been exposed to really what the Bible says about life and the wisdom in the scriptures, I've realized I, I need to major on the majors and minor on the minors. But I get muddled. I major on minors a lot. And I tend to minor on majors. And so this, this material and kind of the pattern of wisdom uh, has really helped me with sorting. Uh, so if you're like me, that's a great resource. I encourage you to sign up. And last but not least, uh, come back next week for uh, Box Office Wisdom. This week I got to do... Uh, ben and I got to do the, the Amazing Spider-Man. Next week is Ted. Uh, picture like Teddy Ruxpin, but crude and with an attitude. And I was thanking God. Thank you, God. I got to do Spider-Man so Randy can do Ted. And, uh, but we're looking forward to that. We're going to be talking about the, the idea of, of growing up and the importance of that. And so uh, invite a friend next week. We'd, we'd love to have you back. Uh, let's pray together. God, in you, uh, we, we do have hope. And we get caught in the comparison cycle and measuring ourselves and not feeling good enough or feeling too good about ourselves. Uh, God, you are the constant. Uh, You are the the, the great hope uh, who does not change. And in you, God, we want to put our trust. Uh, Help us to see any areas or blind spots where we're trying to really input our own value in in circumstances or in relationships. We're trying to kind of measure our own success instead of really seeing us the way that you see us. And so, God, we ask for a new perspective uh, as we we do life your way. And we, we ask all this, and for your help, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.